0: Don't be zoning out on us and and spinning around in your chair.
1: Don't be rolling your eyes in the back of your head. Don't be staring at the ceiling.
2: Welcome to The Pretense of Justice with hosts Carmen, Roland, Sonia, and Tamika, where we discuss legal and current events, controversial issues, and all things justice as we advocate for injustice. Let the justice begin. We've
0: been gone for... Thank you for coming to The Pretense of Justice. We've been gone for a very long time. We've been waiting for uh, my book to come out. Um, As you guys know me as Dr. Carmen Johnson, and we have Mr. Roland Carter, we also have Ms. Tamika Christopher, we have Mr. DeMarcus Moore, and Ms. Sonya Robertson, and we have our sister, Sister Rhonda, who is our tech support and our moderator.
2: Okay, so welcome, everybody. I know we've been on our hiatus, but it's been for a good cause. Um, Sister Carmen, Dr. Carmen Johnson, has finished her book. Yes, we're going to give her a big applause. The book is finished, Pretense of Justice. Family is out. You can purchase it on Amazon. So uh, let me just show y'all real quick. So in case y'all be hitting us up, where can I get it? Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So here it is on Amazon, The Pretense of Justice. Uh, you can get it uh, paperback. You can get it hard copy. Um, I think it's a black and white copy as well, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yes.
2: Uh, so definitely, fam, uh, go ahead and check it out. Uh, her particular book, it's Telling Her Story. Okay, it's telling her story, her journey, her experience with the legal system. Okay, so that's why we've been on hiatus. We're back. Uh, so make sure that you pick up a copy. Okay, so with that said, I'll turn it back over to Sis Carmen. Yeah, the, the, the purpose of... Uh...
0: Uh Tamika and uh Sonia and myself, we are we have one red and plum today is is representing the 10770 Navajo uh Native American women uh bodies that were found. Aye. And um we've been told that they've been buried since 1958 all the way up to now. So we just wanted to just give our respects. Because, you know, in our family, we are part Cherokee, part Seminole, part Choctaw. And um, we just want to show our support to the Navajo Nation and and some type of reparations or or something to that effect. Anybody else want to speak on that?
3: Yeah, um, to speak to the article um, about that, Uh, The FBI in New Mexico, this is coming from uh, Arizona Central, so azcentral.com. The FBI in New Mexico released the names of 170 missing indigenous people in an attempt to locate them uh, and to encourage families to report their missing loved ones. Um, There's a lot of uh, people who are trying to bring light to the situation that there are a disproportionate amount of indigenous Um, including Black uh, people who are classified as Black, the numbers are crazy as well. Just last year, there was 91,000 so-called Black women and children who went missing. Um, So just to keep keep it in the forefront um, of people's mind that, you know, there's a lot of people that are going missing. And unfortunately, the women and children don't have uh, enough fight. You know, there's men missing as well. But babies to go missing who don't have a chance to fight it's you know we need to keep it in mind and hopefully they do something the fbi is in charge of finding these people and it doesn't seem like they're really doing a whole lot so that's that i yield my mic thanks Thank you. so uh sis
2: carmen did you want to go ahead and read an excerpt um from the book or how you want to play this? Uh, you want me to read the intro
0: or you want to start out? I want to read the, the, this, this song that, that starts the book off. And um, it's so weird because this has been my favorite song since I was little. And so in the beginning of the book, it says, why in the world would anybody put chains on me? I paid my dues to make it. Everybody wants me to be what they want me to be. I'm not happy when I try to fake it. That's why I'm easy. I'm easy like Sunday morning. And it's written by Lionel Richie and the Commodores. And that has always been my favorite song. And I just would always think about that song when they had me in shackles and chains. And, And I just, it was just, I just wanted people to be moved by those words. And especially people who have never experienced being behind the wall just remembering those words.
2: And I kick it back to you, Sister Rhonda. Thank you. Wow. I never uh, thought about the lyrics of the song like that. Whew, okay. Um, let me get to um, the introduction. Ooh, okay, fam. This is um, another excerpt. Now I was doing well. Okay, I'm gonna keep it together. Sorry, <laughs> I know the, the first sentence kind of, kind of got me. Okay. This is an excerpt from pretense of justice. Have you seen the sun? Hello, excuse me. Have you seen the sun? Where is the light in broad daylight? The peculiar question blurted from my mouth uncontrollably. I wandered about the confines of the Alderson Federal Prison Camp when I first arrived August 2015 in a surreal trance. Women migrated in the opposite direction when they noticed me approaching. I had been a federal inmate for just a few days and had quickly earned the reputation as the crazy lady on the compound. I was clearly out of my mind. The years of emotional and mental trauma leading up to my incarceration were manifesting themselves for everyone to witness. Asking to find the sun was just one of the symptoms that my newly diseased existence was grappling with. My world had been whipsawed and decimated beyond recognition. Nothing had been the same from the moment a swarm of federal agents descended upon my office on March 29, 2011 when Mercury was retrograding. What once was a remarkable career decorated with success, philanthropy, and promise had all but dissipated from my grasp. I found myself in a treacherous maze filled with unlawful investigations, court battles, crooked lawyers, false evidence, and even death threats. A life behind bars was something I had never imagined would happen to me. My subconscious refused to accept it. I was mentally unraveling. The people who watched me zombie about the compound were clueless as to how deeply damaged I was. The judicial system had stripped every formidable layer away from my armor. I was merely just a shell of myself. I was incapable of remembering most things about my life before the handcuffs and shackles, forgetting where I lived, and the names of my closest relatives was just the beginning. Memories of my core values and religious beliefs were still intact. I effectively lost all memory of myself. The person I was reduced to was a total stranger to me. Dr. Carmen Johnson had ceased to exist. According to the investigators, I was a fraudster involved in a multimillion dollar housing scheme. According to the prosecutors, I was a very dangerous terrorist and a member of ISIS who posed a threat to the community and the state of Maryland. According to the judge presiding over my case, I was found guilty And eventually, according to the West Virginia Division of Corrections, I was federal inmate number 56613-037. Despite the suffocating fog that nearly crippled my mind, something deep in my heart forced me to keep a small inkling of fire burning. The false labels that were slapped upon me were temporary. I needed to remember the life I had built. I had touched so many lives and affected change in the community. It was important for me to find my way back to the light as a mother, a big sister, a daughter, an aunt, a cousin, an entrepreneur, an activist, and now a revolutionist. I was never a person who was cowardly when it came to obstacles no matter the size or source, I was built for this fight. And I think my great-grandmother, Mo, knew it. The journey to reclaim my life and my integrity had begun. The criminal injustice system fought desperately to shatter my spirit into a million pieces. It was now my turn to fight back. It was imperative that I recall just who I was before I became the property of the state of West Virginia, a slave. I needed to retrace my roots and remember how important I had become to the struggle for my community. Okay, I'll turn it back over to you. I I feel
0: the emotions in your voice, Mr. Rhonda yeah so I, I, I can see it like it was yesterday Whew. so I just want to read this little small little piece before I kick it on over and I'm gonna try not to cry um and it says on that the next page after the introduction in my book it says and I need you guys to listen to this very carefully and most of you already know I'm a practicing Buddhist most of you already know I'm a scholar of metaphysics I need you to understand what I'm getting ready to say. And so I write in my book Positive Light. The light was a hundredth degree of the degree of perfection, which means that it cannot be beyond the hundredth degree of manifestation. In order to get a greater manifestation of light, that light had to retract itself and go into hibernation into the cocoons of the metamorphosis. So when the next light comes, it would be even greater than the first original light. In order to get the absolute, you have to come to nothing. And from nothing, you get the absolute. In order for you to become higher than what you were, you have to go and fall into the nothingness and come back in the greater light than before. And what that means to me is the fact when I got to that prison camp and I was wandering in broad daylight, have you seen the sun? Have you seen the light? It was me that I was looking for because I am the light. And because I gave my life for my community from the time that I was little, I came into this world and gave my life. I had to go back into the nothingness. And what I say to my oppressors and people who continue to try to oppress me, you can't come near me. You can't touch me. It will never happen again to new people that's trying to oppress me and the old people who continue to ask for my forgiveness. And I forgive you. And my life is back. And it's getting brighter. And I also share my light with people who are worthy. And I kick it off to the next person. Thank you.
2: Okay, yes, let me uh, get a hand. Dang, I don't have a hand clap on here. Yay! I gotta add the hand clap. As I got my tissues and I'm in the amen section fanning. Um, so just to remind the family, uh, Judge Joe Brown is scheduled to come on so the judge will be here Um, but we're going to keep it moving and get into some topics so um you ready sir Roland?
1: I sure am. Okay I'll turn it over to you. Good evening everybody um before I start off with the topic that I'm bringing up I wanted to uh Take a bow to uh, Dr. Carmen Johnson for all of that that you just revealed to us. Um, I appreciate it, and um, I'm glad you stayed on your uh, straight path and you found yourself. That's the best thing you can do while you're here on this earth, and I applaud you for that. Okay, now let's move on. We're going to move on. My topic tonight is uh, about Brittany Griner. And I'm opening this up to the floor because I want to get everybody's input on this one. Uh, She, you know, everybody knows pretty much her story right now. She, uh, back in March, I believe she was going uh, over to Russia to play and she was detained at the airport. And uh, they caught her with a couple of cartridges of uh, marijuana or THC or whatever it is. But in Russia, I believe the laws are totally different there than they are here. So my thing is, is she deserving of 10 years of incarceration for what happened? But it is based off of Russian law. So my thing is, when we talk about the pretense of justice, is this anything that do, do any of us think that she's going to get any type of justice while she's there? So I'm opening the floor up to anybody who wants to speak on it.
4: I don't necessarily think that she would get any type of justice for that matter, for the simple fact that the Russian uh, uh, relationship with America is always based on what can you do for me anyway. So the mere fact that she got caught up with something that was banned or illegal on their standard, they're going to use her as a pawn to get something that they want. I think that was already planned the moment that they they figured out we have somebody that they're going to vouch for. We have somebody that the people are going to march for. The people are going to say, oh, we got to get her back. President, you got to hurry up and get her. You got to do something to get her. So since we have this person, let's wait for that noise to get a little bit louder, and then we're going to swap her out for somebody that we want. So since they have that type of relationship, that little bad blood type relationship, I don't think she really gonna get the, the the type of justice that she really that 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 we can really hope for in that situation.
2: Well, I I guess for me, to answer your question, will she get justice if? They push for it, yes. Um, Just in my personal opinion, no one went up to bat for her, okay? Now, here's my thing. At a minimum, I expected two groups to go to bat for this woman. The first group, I'm calling you on your card, Democrats because you were the ones pandering for a black women's vote, like you always do. But here's a black woman in a situation. Now I'm not trying to justify her for having her little substance. She knew better this, that, and the third. But on the other hand, you were silent. Now you're supposedly and allegedly getting involved. The number one group that should have been outraged was definitely the LBGTQ community. And I still have yet to hear from them and to me. Now, this is just me. This don't have nothing to do with anyone on this panel. This is to me they should have been the first ones to stand up. Because if you can jump up and down for any other situation, this is someone that is a part of your community, this is also someone with, quote, quote, prominence, and you're still sitting silent. So do I think that she's gonna get that time no, I don't think she's gonna get all that time. I think it's gonna be negotiated down. She'll probably be let go after some negotiations, but nobody went to bat for her, okay? Now, as a black woman, that's always the case. Everybody wants the black woman's help, but when it's time to stand up for black women, there's feet dragging. So I'ma go on and shut up. Now that's just my opinion. That's not the people's opinion up on this panel. I'ma shut up and turn it back over to you, Roland, or anybody else on the panel.
1: Well, let me let me interject this and, and and I'm and I'm just saying this. Let me put this out here. The first you said the statement that you made was that the first ones that you went to was the Democratic Party, right? I did. Okay. The first Democrat who came out to help her was a black politician from the state of Texas sheila jackson lee okay shout out to her black woman right that happened exactly the same month in which that occurred now let's let me ask you this what republican came out to her rescue
3: I'm reading something from, uh, I think it's July 31st.
2: And why should a Republican come out for it? But uh, I, uh, nonetheless, and it oh, Biden-
1: I'm just playing the devil's advocate. Right, I know you are. I know you are. The, the first I just said something that out. about was the Democratic. Re- party. Right,
2: but 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 the Republicans don't be begging for the black vote. Let's let's be clear.
1: So why so, couldn't? Yeah, why they could they all, they don't. That's, that, hold on, hold on. How how? <laughs> My question to you has nothing to do with nobody begging for a vote. I'm just saying to you, the first thing you said, that no Democrat came to the rescue. And Sheila Jackson Lee was the very first one in the same Okay, so
2: I stand corrected.
3: My bad, Miss Jackson Lee. My bad, but still. I was was going to chime in. I'm reading something right now from the insider. Elon Musk is commenting on it. And the title of the article that came out July 31st says, Elon Musk says U.S. should free some people in jail for We here too, after Biden reports say offered to swap a Russian arms dealer for imprisoned WNBA star Brittany Griner. And it reads, uh, Elon Musk tweeted on Sunday in response to a U.S.-Russia prisoner exchange offer.
1: That Mm -hmm. reports
3: say is being made by the Biden administration to free the WNBA star Brittany Griner. And it says, um, Elon's quote, maybe free some people in jail for weed here too,
1: Musk wrote in Sunday's tweet. And and I'm in total agreement with that.
3: (laughs) Okay. So, of course, the Black woman's tragedy
2: got to help everybody else out. Well, (laughs) okay. uh but we talking no, 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 about no, 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 no. Let Let's be clear. Black Black women's about, tragedy. On, gotta help everybody else out. We're ad, ad, ad
1: about, usual. Well, what we talking about here? Yeah, <laughs> and we talking about before Miss Brittany Griner. We talking about the the now you got weed shops all over the damn place. Oh, I and agree with that. Who Who running them? But yet, all these years, black Folks men locked up. Tons of black men have been going to jail for selling weed. Yeah. And I believe, I'm not sure. I think they was trying to get some legislation passed in the state of Maryland. I don't even know if it uh, passed yet. Mm-hmm. But I know that what they're trying to do is is uh all of the brothers who've been locked up for uh selling marijuana in the state of Maryland is, is to let them out and try to help them get, get their own weed shops.
2: Yeah, so to me that should be good, across the board, good
1: to be honest. In, That's a good step. That's because they're controlling the market now. Right. They control it. But it's just like with liquor. Remember, Mm -hmm. at one time, liquor was illegal until Mm -hmm. they put a government seal on it because they get paid off of it. Yeah. So I get all of that. But when we're talking about Miss Brittany Griner and what's going on over there in Russia, we know that she's in, she's in, in, in a territory where she shouldn't have... Went over there like that. I don't know. She say she was Russian when she did it, and when she got to Russia, they was waiting on it. And just like DeMarcus said, you know, they utilizing her as a political football. Absolutely. And 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 because you think about it, the other the other person that they offered is uh, uh, his name is Paul Whalen. Mm -hmm. He was he's accused of being a spy. And one thing uh, that the Central Intelligence Agency and all your other national intelligence agencies, they will they will leave your ass hanging.
2: Yeah, for real, for real.
1: So, Brittany Griner is a different story because she's a quote-unquote WNBA player. And she just got caught with some cartridges of weed. Now, mm-hmm. he's going to use that, Putin is going to use that to his advantage to do whatever it is because now they're asking for some other guy that's in Germany. <clears throat> they ain't even talking about that guy that they have now because he can rake it out. So they want to partner for some other guy in Germany right now. What in Germany a... got to do with her? We don't have no control over that. No, no, no. We, we, we what we're talking about, I'm going by what the market said, that they utilizing her as a as Yeah, bargain.
2: but my point is,
1: it's the person
2: locked up over here. I guess that's the question. No,
1: no, really. no, no, no. What they're trying to do, just like, they doing the NFL, a, like a they're doing in the NFL, they trying to do a three-way trade. Oh. Yeah, and, the
4: sad, and the sad part about it is, it's, it's not going to be looked at as the human of Brittany Grind. It's going to be looked at as we talking about a WNBA basketball player mm-hmm. who probably make only 500 or something thousand. Right, to this deadly sniper, or this individual who is a spy who has all of this type of intelligence that can cut exactly. down the whole. You know, so so they about to compare. So two, some, some weed security. over some national security. You know like that's 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 the sad part about it. We about to okay. She just got to look. They trading somebody that got caught with some cautious for somebody that's probably in charge of killing thirty people. Right. Yeah. That, that, that's it. It, that's it's that it's a crazy. hot
2: mess. It's it's a hot mess, and you know not to. I mean, she should have known better coming up in Russia. And if she had a couple cartridges, I'm just guessing she probably done that before. If she's been traveling back and forth, I'm not trying how to much justify did she for
4: get with it? I the, thought it was I, just
2: one vape, so I I shut up. I don't know.
4: Yeah, what the How much was this? Because I just read something that it said the law is anything over six grams of hash oil can be up to 15 days in jail. She got 10 years. So what's she get caught with?
2: She moving. <laughs> 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 what she, she get caught with? Right, because if uh, I heard a vape opinion. That's why I was like, what? I don't know. So okay. just texted me, so he's running a little late, but he's
0: coming. He's always late. He's okay, coming. no worries.
1: And okay, said, well... The report that i read was that it was a it was a a few cartridges oh okay Right. Okay. so but i mean you don't know what they laws are they they oh. laws are just based off of it's just like you can go to virginia which is a which Con- is a commonwealth oh. they can yeah, make up the yeah. law as they go as they go right absolutely you see so if you if you dealing with something like that it is her incarceration and, and and the one that we keep forgetting about is the guy Paul Whalen. That's another guy that they want to get out of there also. So you don't, none of us know what's going to happen. Only reason why I brought it up because it is a hot topic right and, now. And it
2: should be brought up. It, it's a great, great topic because this is going to be interesting if they swap all those people for her. They won't. Be. Yeah. That's a lot of people to swap. It
5: will be be amazing but right now I mean I don't think that's their biggest issue right now which sucks because that's one of our people and I don't see this administration pretty much caring about anybody but themselves so
2: yeah I mean I
5: hate that they um she's there and doing the time in a country that she probably didn't really know their laws yeah um, I
2: don't. I don't see them bringing her home anytime soon, to be honest. Wow. So. Shout out to Sheila Lee Jackson. Shout out to you for I should have known it was a black woman that went over there first. But shout out to her. Wow. So did she go
1: well, over she there? Didn't, she she didn't go over there. She was the first one that spoke up about it and and put it on the forefront. She didn't go over to nobody's traveling to to Russia right now. Nobody's yeah, going over there since they invaded about- uh uh the Ukraine. Ukraine.
2: What you, What'd say, you song? say, something?
5: No, she was. You talking about the same lady, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she went over
2: there to, to play basketball.
4: Right, no, he talking, talking about
2: Sheila Lee Jackson.
1: Talk okay, about Sheila Lee Jackson. Don't like her. I don't even. Like
2: her. <laughs> I gotta give her her shout out though. That 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 for even bringing it up. I think that
0: we all should do letters. I think everybody that's listening should. Should
2: do letters and 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 send them to uh, Miss Lee and also to the president as well. Right and LGBTQ, where are you?
0: Where Mm -hmm. are you?
2: I'm gonna tell you. Yeah. Now if I if I right now start criticizing uh, this live will get flooded and get shut down, but yet you have somebody from your community on lockdown. Where are
1: you? They 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 still mad at Dave Chappelle.
2: Dave and and that lady ain't got nothing. They, Dave's not from their community. That young lady is from their community. LGBTQ.
1: I, where it, are you, uh, uh, Rhonda? You 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 said where are they? And I was saying they still bad at Dave Chappelle. Like they they more focused on Dave Chappelle. It's than they it's are.
2: not right.
0: Your your slip uh,
2: is showing. <laughs>
0: we should we should send letters um and matter of fact that that'll be the first thing that i'll do first thing in the morning is prepare my two letters one to miss lee and also one to the president of the united states that's a that's a great idea and i will be sending mine certified that's a great idea i hope that others will join because she looks like us especially us women and especially you know every 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 community should be i mean she's she's american She's indigenous. She's right. She's black. She's 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 gay. She's us. So like, we all should we sh- we should all stand up for. Indeed. Because I can imagine what a Russian jail looked like. Whew.
2: Indeed. Okay. Thank you, Roland. That was a good one. That that was a good one. Okay. Thanks. So. Miss Tamika, are you ready?
3: I'm going after Miss Sonia. Oh,
0: really? <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: oh, okay, fam, get ready. To, this, this is gonna be—it's gonna be a hot
0: topic. Yes, but Sonia, it, you can talk a little louder or, ch- or turn your mic up until we get a fancy mic like a uh, uh, Sister Rhonda snuck <laughs> out and got. So I have one, but it's not hooked up. Okay. And then, Mr. Moore,
2: we are really interested in what you have to say uh, about this topic. Yeah, this is gonna be interesting. It's it's on you, Sis,
5: Sonia. All right, well, um, today's topic for me, um, I have been strolling through a lot of these different um, channels and news media about how these kids are running rapid. Um, They're being violent towards um, the elderly community in different states. Um, they're being arrested and, re- and released and they're back doing the same thing again. And I'm just trying to figure out where is the community that should be getting these kids off the street and doing something about their behavior. Um, I did send um, Ms. Rhonda um, a video, okay. my significant other pair for me. It's just a few clips of what's really going on. And it's not a lot of them, it's just a few clips show you this is what these adults in American these elderly people are going through. I mean they just attacking anybody on the street because they
2: want to. Right. You want me to roll the footage. Oh. Okay. All right, fam. Here we go. <clears throat> Hold on a second, because y'all can't, Um, the panel, y'all can't see anything, right?
0: No, we can't.
2: Okay, hold on. I got to share my screen. I'm sorry, fam. Hold on.
0: Ah,
2: hold on. Bear with me, and I'll start it back over. Okay. Okay, where's that vid? Yep, there it is. Okay, sorry about that. i be forgetting.
0: <laughs> okay, here we go. We can't hear the volume on it.
5: Basically, this is a girl right here who is um, is special needs, and a whole bunch of girls pulled her in alley and beat her up for no reason at all. The girl was screaming for help, and no one came and got came and assisted her. And then, what was the one before that? The one before that one was uh, a group of teenagers, one was young as 12 years old, who was starting to beat up on a 20-year-old woman who was just walking down the street and they just went and attacked her for no reason. This particular video just happened last week where um, a teenage boy and girl, they jumped the the pole to get on the train and didn't pay and they started getting into, tried to arrest the little boy and he started beating up the cop. He was beating their cops behind. Or, okay, let's roll it. Yeah. He just got out of jail. Uh, It wasn't that long ago um, for other charges that was pending. They put him back in jail and he's back on the streets again. So it's just, it don't make sense to me. This happened in um, New York City. And this is a this boy and only 16 years old. So This is a 73-year-old man is running across the street right here and these teenagers are beating him with an actual hazard cone. He went in the hospital and he ended up dying the next day. And these were all teenagers. No one of them was over the age of 18. This particular video is a little girl who was on a school bus. She's five years old and being beat, beat up and stabbed with pencils by some little kids was 10 years old and the bus driver did nothing. And so what I'm trying to get to is, basically, <clears throat> what are those parents are doing? What are the community doing to try to get these kids back on track? Why are they going rapid right now? And this is not just this year. This has been going on for the last several years, and it's just like no one is just doing anything about it, and it's getting worse. You know, you have other factors. You know, where kids start losing respect for themselves. Um, They're influencing their peers to do things that's inappropriate. I mean, why would you want to attack each other, let alone attack people who have nothing to do with you? It was a 20-year-old girl who beat up a woman in in its train station because she was pissed off at her boyfriend and pushed the woman down down to the ground. She ended up dying two days later. What are we going to do? What could we do? Why is the community not getting involved? What are the parents not doing? Where are they lacking at where they're not showing that violence is not the key to being a successful adult? They walking around here and experiencing, you know, abuse in the home. So what is okay for them to abuse other people? So statistics going on right now, I had pulled that I didn't send you a copy of, but just, you know, property crime alone is over 6 million in the last three years, all over the America, all over the United States. You have robbery up over 243%, excuse me, 243,600 robberies in the last two years in the United States, Um, rape crimes, murder, non-neglect, mass slaughter, theft, burglary. When is it gonna end? When are we going to come together as a community and find something for these teenagers to do besides sitting around here thinking of ways to hurt someone else? I have a 13-year-old son right now, and I try to put him in a summer program. There was no summer programs to put him in. There's nothing between the ages of 13 and 17 in our community. And I'm pretty sure it's the same way in other communities. They have programs from 6 to 12, but after that, it cuts off. So what, what do we do with them after that? What do, do what do we do to come together as a community to work together to find things that's gonna be protective for these
2: kids? Wow. So what so what are your thoughts, brother DeMarcus? Oh man, this, as this our, is gonna... as
0: our new board member, yes. our, our young youth this board gonna... member who's an awesome young man. Oh, I am so glad that I was able to catch you. Yeah. And keep you on our board and um you are just so amazing. So what what can what what is your suggestion? What is your pros and cons in, in this uh narrative here?
4: This topic, man, this this topic right here is the story of my life. This this particular topic right here. What do we do? What do we do is a question that came to me once I actually identified myself and moving forward became comfortable with myself and understood what type of man I wanted to be. Once I understood that, I realized where certain things was happening as I was growing, what went wrong and what perhaps could have been in that, in that place that could have changed it. So, and I'm going to use me for example, because I think it's better if I go first hand. And probably about like 98. From 98 to 2001, the neighborhood that I grew up in, we had every single sporting activity you can think of from all ages. From as young as four years old, you could have been playing basketball, football, soccer, or even t-ball, baseball. From four all the way up until 17 years old, meaning from preschool to your whole high school. If you couldn't play uh, some type of sports for school, you could have played it for the Boys and Girls Club or the Recreation Center. What that did for us when we was young, it, 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 it for one, sports teach you certain character traits that you need to grow up. It teach you how to be a leader. It teach you how to gain confidence so you can have a good control of your self-esteem. It teach you how to identify yourself in pressure situations, learn how to stay calm and make the right decision making. So when I was getting growing up at those age, you know, I played all of those sports. we had flag football, football, and the community was a whole lot different. But after 2000, for some reason, the funding of those sports stopped. So if you wasn't a certain age, it was only a couple of teams. One whole basketball team was gone. The soccer whole organization was gone. Uh, baseball was gone. Boxing at the time was only taking females, and it was only taking females that was fourteen years old. So any other age, whether you was male or female, you couldn't box. Football only had enough funding to have about three weight limits that you can play, and it was basketball. But if you ain't make the team, you couldn't play. So what did that do? Is it forces you to use these same abilities outside on the streets? Now there's a there's an unintentional peer pressure. That the youth go through that we don't identify and i say that because we look at peer pressure as just something that somebody's directly telling you what to do that's not the one that always get us sometimes the one that get it is the unintentional peer pressure where you feel as though that you have to look a certain way you have to be a certain way or you have to talk a certain way because this is what's going on in that neighborhood and if you don't meet that 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 character then you may be victimized by the opposite of what you see. So now you on the streets and you just come outside just to play football. You come outside just to meet friends. You come outside just to talk and have fun. But what kind of fun are you really getting in? Because now the fun that's going on is these dudes over here, they hustling and selling drugs. They think it's a game that you on the street. So what are they going to teach you to do? Hey man, why don't you grab this and get it to that person and then bring the money back? You all, they just having fun because you're trying to be accepted. You want people to like you. You want to have friends. You don't want nobody to bully you. So that process, the, the, the psychological process that your mind is going through is only to get accepted. However, you on a path for committing crime and you don't even see it. And by the time you notice it, you way too far in. You way too far in. But before you know it, you're sitting before 12 people that don't even know you and they're judging you on something. Because like you said, you got a 13-year-old, and there's nothing there's nothing out there for him. But you want your 13-year-old to be active. But if you send him outside, what's the chance that he won't fall into something else? What's the chance that he won't fall into something to, to, to send somebody with a pair of Pradas on, send somebody with a pair of Gucci's on? So I want them Gucci's. Well, if you want them Gucci's, you got to do that. Mama not about to spend $1,200 on no pair of shoes. It's bills that got to be paid. She's not about to spend $850 on no shirt. It's bills that got be paid. But he want that shirt because he keeps saying his friends with that shirt. So what are you going to do? He don't want to wear no white black shirt. He don't no wear all white T-shirt. Because when he go to school, the ones with the Gucci shirt, they bullying them. So I'm going to stop me from getting bullied. I'm going to do what I got to do to get this Gucci shirt on. Now you put yourself to these tests and you put yourself to these trials. But the lesser activities they got for them in the community's mind, that's what we got to do. We got to pull back into our community some type of activity to get these people's self-esteem up. All they do, that's another thing. A lot of their self-esteem become real low because they sit in the house all day on Instagram, on, on Twitter, or on video games. They're doing all of these things that give up a momentary image of a false reality. And they think that's going to be for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. They think that's going to be for the rest of their life and it's, it's 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 no it's no get rich quick scheme that a 12 year old can do besides try to be a youtuber. So now they're sitting on in the house trying to be a youtuber. They're sitting in the house trying to figure out how to get these connections like it's it's really a whole it's a whole dynamic of the mental process that they go through now because of all of this internet access, all of this access that they have to these false realities. Even the music now is different. The music now promotes you to beat up old people, to go out there and rob and you kill people. If they listen to that 24-7, what do you think they're gonna do? What, what song can you play right now that tells somebody to grow up and be a judge? Grow up and be a lawyer, grow up and be the president of the world, grow up and be a school teacher. I never in my life heard a song that say that. What song can you hear say? This is, this, this is their promotion. This is where they get their lifestyle from, the music and the Internet. What promotes this? Grow up and be a business owner. What songs say that? That's what they go to. And they don't hear it outside of that. When I was in school, when I was in school, the first mistake I made, the, the guidance counselor called me in there and said, you know what? You're going to end up in jail. Not, you got to do better. Not, come on, you better than that. Not come on, you gotta get yourself together. You know what? You are gonna end up in jail. How many times is a kid gonna hear that before you actually end up in jail? Cause if, in a moment
1: he gonna feel like he ain't working nothing. Can uh? Can I? Can I jump in here now? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Hey, and I appreciate. I appreciate. Truly appreciate everything you just said. Really do. What What this is is, is what's called self hate.
0: Mm.
1: It's a hate for self, and. In the 1400s, in the mid 1400s, a papal bull was issued to enslave a a people who were deemed to not be humans. Okay? Let's go to Nazi Germany. Before the, the, the Jews were persecuted and thrown in ovens, they were dehumanized. Before you do anything to a people, the first thing you got to do to them is dehumanize them. So they're no longer human. Let's go to the Godfather movie. They were sitting at a table discussing selling drugs. And the Italian said, sell it to, excuse me, sell it to the niggas. They, they don't have no souls. Now, let's go back to the Bible. The Bible said at the beginning of Genesis, it says God created man in his own image and his own likeness. So the image that they give you is the image of who? Growing up, the image of God or Jesus is who? So it makes you look at that image and say, you know what, I'm not that image. I see some other people that look like that image. So it creates a a self-hate attitude. Where you can go out and jump on people for no reason because you don't love yourself. And, and we're talking about what is the community gonna do. Look where we are. We are in a hell of a state right now. I'm gonna read, I'm gonna read this to you from the Bible. I'm not no Bible thumper at all, by no means, but I'm gonna read this to you. 2 Timothy 3, verses one through 5. swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. And when you're talking about uh, uh, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, see, Jesus told you that God dwells within you. So what is that telling you? You are the God that you're talking about but you hate yourself. So in turn, if you hate yourself, then you hate God. The problem is how do we get out of that condition? How do we get out of that condition in our community here? Where I live at, there's all types of programs. Mm. And just like brother DeMarcus is, is talking about, I grew up playing boys club and all those, Different things, but when I got to a certain age and I started seeing all the money and all of that kind of stuff, I was like, you know what? I want to be like them dudes right there because they—it's the—it's—it's it's everything. What 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 they call it? Fear, uh, 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 evidence, false evidence appearing real. That's oh, wow. what we dealing with out here. So what do we do? Is it too late? Mm-hmm. If you ask me, I believe we're under divine. We're under a divine thing right now. And what's happening right now is because we have become haters of ourselves. And how do we get to it to get out of it? I have no idea. Well, it's I,
2: it's it's interesting because I'm with with Boozy on this one because I was sitting here rocking back and forth, rocking back and forth. I'm like, okay, when you know when you used to how we used to jump rope. And they say you dig in the potatoes trying to jump in. <laughs> I'm with Boosie on this one. And, and this is uh, from the comment section. I don't know. That's a cop out to me. If you're saying one person on TV got more influence than the first five real adults they see every day, that means their parents and folks around them ain't encouraging them either. Mm-hmm. And To be real, to keep it all the way real. That's the only way to get out of this. That's true. It's through the family. We're where we, this is my opinion. We're where we are today because the family structure is seriously broken. And until we get real and talk about the dynamics of the family, you're going to keep getting the same thing.
1: When did These the dy- babies are being. When did, the, when did the dynamic of the family structure get broke with us?
2: Well, I would say, to be honest, by the 70s, probably Gen X, we're probably the last generation that typically grew up with a two parent household. That that's the, that's right just here. my opinion. I think was think that the crack
3: that was, era that people reference in the 70s? The crack era was
4: in the 80s, 80, 84.
3: Yeah. yeah, when I hear a lot of people talk about, you know, when when drugs hit the, the inner cities, it, it completely destroyed the family dynamic. And how do you have a strong will when your mental health is not correct? Not in check. Agreed. So um, you know. We got to love ourselves, yes, but the mental health treatment that's needed is not being given. Um, you got the whole family dynamic. You got grandmas just tired. They don't even want to be grandmas no more. Right. You know, grandmas used to be the ones at home. Um, so when the kids came home from school, grandma was there. He wasn't right. hitting the streets because grandma, where do you think you're going? Get you behind here, do your homework. Exactly. You got chores to do. Your mama's at work. She'll be home by six and this house got to be clean by the time she get here. type of grandma you know um that's not happening anymore um i was gonna say um, a lot of times father you know married couples don't stay married the divorce rate is over 50 percent. why is that if they get married come on let's let's
2: tell the truth on how these (laughs) babies are
3: getting here let's keep it real I don't think that they get into, um, I don't think they just get pregnant without the intention of, you know, being together. I think life is just so difficult, especially for the millennials and, and the ones coming after us. Everything is freaking expensive. You, you, you yeah. can't barely make it without having a PhD. Who's got money to get a PhD? Back in the 50s and 60s, it was like $13,000 to go to medical school. It ain't $13,000 to go to medical school no more. A lot of the elders who are, you know, who have the PhDs who are saying, you know, you got to get your education. Yeah, we got to get like $100,000 in debt to go get it. Like, who wants to do that? So there's a huge divide on the reality of the youth, um, especially the millennials, the generation that I come from and what we have to deal with, especially with this crappy economic system that was handed to us uh, with super hyperinflation. Uh, You got foreigners owning the hood. They can raise the rents on the people whenever they want to. So now you got mom and dad trying to work overtime. They're paying a foreign company to live in the house on their own land. Let's not even talk about the misclassified Black Americans who are indigenous to the land, and they're paying rents to foreign companies. But I digress on that. The point that I'm making is it's freaking hard out here. And these children are dealing with the problems of their parents agree they don't know
2: how and and it's, it's not okay. that that's my whole point it's it's not children's responsibility to be burdened with adult problems, problems. that I that agree. and and if we're going to keep it real real all the way real most folks shouldn't be putting their children in that position so if you're not prepared to have a family why is it a badge of honor to be a baby mama now i know i'm gonna get a lot and nothing slight against baby mamas i'm just keeping it real we we, we're not looking at the consequences of our choices at the end of the day you brought these babies in this world you brought them here nobody let me be clear now this, don't y'all get mad at the panel. This is me. <laughs> Let me be clear. Nobody is coming to save you. Hmm. Nobody is coming to save your babies. Hmm. You have to do it. So I go on mute.
1: So yeah, uh, a, and, and, and I'm going to tell you, I'm not, a, I'm not a believer. I'm with you on that. I'm not a believer in any spookism. I don't believe that nobody going to come flying out in no sky. I don't believe in that woo, I don't believe in none of that. Uh, I, I would like to ask everybody about this. Has anybody ever heard of the Kerner Commission? The Kerner Commission? The Kerner Commission.
3: Yeah, he has the right to basically the, the county coroner.
1: No, the Kerner Commission. It was a commission together by, by Lyndon B. Johnson back in twenty uh, in 1967. And it talked about where the violence was coming from, from the African American community. Because at that time we was going through a lot of quote unquote riots in the streets back in the 60s, leading into the 70s. So I, w- I would just let everybody on the panel know to one day when you get a chance, uh, look at it, pull it up on Google, the Kerner Commission And read what it says. And then the next time we come on, then we'll talk about that.
0: Can I can I can I can I say something?
1: Oh, yeah, of course. The show (laughs) show.
0: So uh, is a piece in my book where, you know, I talk about my my parents, my grandparents, my great grandparents on both sides telling us who we who we were and where we come from. And for me, that made a big difference in our, our family, just understanding that, you know, we knew what our, who our ancestors were, what our ancestors stood for, which also brought love to self. And it also brought love to our community and our country. That's number one. And number two, another thing we never talk about mental health in, in, in the, the black community, in the indigenous community. We never talk about the abuse that we went through for, for you know all these years, let alone the abuse that we're going through today. Okay, if we can't prove what happened uh, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, 400 years ago, we can prove what's happening now. And for me, that's, that, that's a problem. And as far as I'm concerned, no one deserves to be in a, a prison, jail, camp or cage. There, there is always a solution to something. I think about my my godfather, Marion Barry, and how he made sure that there were were jobs in the community for the youth in the summertime. And and he was just such an amazing man. I don't care what other people heard about him or thought about him or what they saw on the video. I, I knew him personally, and I knew how much he cared about our community. I think about my old nonprofit, the Katie Abel Foundation, and how we couldn't keep the youth out the office. Every day when the bell rang, they ran across the street to my office. And and we showed them attention and care and love and allowed them to speak and talk. We got on the phone and we called looking for jobs for them. And and we put in that time. And it broke my heart when I came home three and a half years later that no one was doing anything for our baby. And that that hurt me. And, 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 there are organizations like alpha justice. There are organizations like, you know, life after release. There's organizations like CERN. There are, there are organizations out there like, you know, I think it's called no success or, or something to that effect out in Baltimore. And, and they deal with the youth and they are working very, very hard to make a difference. And I know that there, if there's a will, there's a way. And yes, some of our youth have lost their way. However, we have to put that frequency and that vibration out there to save our baby because they're coming for our baby. Our babies are getting football numbers. And yeah, it's not right that our youth beat up, you know, our seniors and and things of that nature, but there has to be other avenues than just throwing them away in jail. I hear the stories, I read the letters, of, of them being abused inside in inside behind the wall. And so it it does start in the home. But suppose that parent or parents don't have the tube Sonya that our parents had. Suppose they don't have the, the tubes that our grandparents had or our great grandparents had. Suppose they they haven't taken all the different tests and stuff like that to make it that you and your parents and your grandparents and your great parents. You know what I'm saying? Suppose they don't have that. So I refuse and refrain from judging them. I want to send them love. I want to send, I want, and I don't believe in the word hope because that's the delay of denial, but we have to save them. We have to figure out how to save the youth because at the end of the day, even if I don't know their name, they're still my baby. And when I went to that prison camp, I had 900 and something babies. They called me mama. They didn't call me Dr. Johnson. They called me mama. That's what they called me. And I still they found me on Facebook. Oh, I went to college. I did what you said. Blah blah blah, 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 blah. That's what I'm talking about. So if we're gonna do for our youth, then let's do for our youth. It, it, is, a, it is a shame that this is happening. You know, we, we had a meeting with the US attorney for the district of Maryland, their assistant US attorney about creating a diversion program for the youth that we plan to kick off in September because the youth are our future. They are the most precious cargo that we have, the melanated child, and I stand by that.
4: They say it take a village.
0: It sure does. <laughs> All right.
4: It's, and, take and, a if, village.
0: and if I can walk in the hood with a mink coat on and, and, and they don't bother me and I feel safe,
4: then anybody else should be able to do the same
0: thing. Don't do it yet, though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, already was, I was,
4: already was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait a second for that
0: one. <laughs> I was
2: already doing it. No, I think all of those are, are great points, and I think all of them can be done, and I, I do think the, the missing link is the parent, and there should be parenting programs as well. Uh, the parents need to be... Reach The parents need to be taught those skills because you're right, not everybody grew up with a big mama and papa because, you know, if our parents was on that bull mess, you know, big mama wasn't having it. Somebody was going to get cussed out and them babies was going to go over big mama's house. And we do have skipped generations that did not have big mama in them, but that does not mean that those skills cannot be taught. So it's on both fronts. We need both fronts. Hit them babies and hit them parents.
1: You know, the parents, the parents, one thing about parents, they got they gotta really, really get into their soul is that your children are not your friends. They are not your friends. They don't become your friends until they get out of your house. And then they and still
2: who- never really don't, because my mom don't give it- a
1: blank. You understand
2: me? But keep going.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, but do you, you understand what I'm saying? But no, I get you. I'm just when saying. you when when you in my house, it's it's almost a dictatorship. Yep, to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not gonna be in here putting them in no cell or nothing or anything like that. Where well, you you gonna have rules and regulations because you understand what's outside them doors. They don't understand it yet. So I'm not gonna be your friend. Don't think I'm going to be your friend. You won't be my friend until you get up out of my house and you on your own as a grown man and a grown woman.
4: And we got, we got to normalize. We got to also normalize helping those parents or those households out when those kids are ripping and running the street. We got to absolutely. And we got to normalize pulling them up and talking to them and saying what's on their mind, because you can, you can, you can have a good inside structure. But once, they're out, wow. that outside, oh, yeah. oh, once you get outside. Oh, once we get on that outside contradiction, like I said, those peer pressures can get a little tough. So we got to normalize asking those kids what's wrong. Are you hungry? Are you okay? Absolutely. They, you gotta normalize it because they go through a lot, they go through a lot on their everyday life. A lot of stuff that they're not prepared or don't have the tools to really handle yet, being so young. So that's why I stopped. Very I'm, good point. One last thing to say about that. I really think that if
5: parents put those phones down, yeah. start off Facebook,
2: start focusing on their
5: kids first, when they come home. I know everybody has to have a job, but at the end of the day, them kids should be number one on their list, job second. Take well, care because if you're not doing what you're supposed to do at home, and you're gonna have that aggravation and stress when they're out in that street doing things they ain't got no business doing, And that's more stress on you. Focus on the kids first. They are, like my sister said, precious cargo. They are the ones who are supposed to take care of us when we get old. But if they're doing the things that they're doing now and they've gone away for for years at a time,
0: who's going to take care of us? So I want Sonia, once I introduce um, Judge Joe Brown, I want you to just real briefly let the judge know what we're talking about. And um, we would love his comment on that. Um, Judge Joe Brown, how are you?
6: Well, hello, everyone. How are you this evening?
0: Hello. I want uh, everyone to know that uh, the judge uh, graced his honors by writing the the forward to my book. And um, I met him a couple of years ago. And um, we've been friends ever since. And um, he, you know, read through my case and he realized that there was an injustice and we've been friends. He's been riding with me ever since and I really appreciate you and I honor you, I honor your manhood, I honor what you stand for, I respect the fact that there's not that many of you left and I expect. <laughs> The, the next few years of your life that you are educating these youth and you are letting us know, everybody know, what the family unit looks like, what it should be, and, and, and how we should present ourselves to the rest of the world because it doesn't look too good. But Sonia, if you could uh, just explain to the judge what we're talking about. We
5: were discussing, I started out a topic about how these kids are going around, um, you know, beating up old, older people, um, just being violent on the streets and robbing and, and and gang banging. I mean, it's become like in the last couple of years, I mean, you're seeing 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds out there still in cars and in one particular scene I seen the other day where... It, Couple of teens start beating up a seventy-three-year-old with a with a um, hazard cone, and the guy died uh, the next day. You know, and it's just getting out of hand. And how we're pulling need to pull these kids back to where they need to be and have some structure in their life, and not thinking it's okay to go out there and abuse other people because their self-esteem is low, or they got stuff that's going on at home, and they're re- resulting in violence because of what they're going through.
0: And Judge, I think Tamika has some statistics, and also I want you to meet our newest board member, Judge um, Demarcus Moore, who is a, a, a young blood, you know, young man, and um, he now sits on our board, and um, and he'll introduce himself to you as well. But um, Tamika, if you can give um, Judge Joe Brown um, some statistics, and also everybody, the judge he also sits on our board. And he's um our retired judge and he's also our legal counsel as well.
1: Well,
6: goodbye. And,
0: and our ambassador, and our ambassador, our ambassador.
6: Ambassador, yes, not legal counsel because I don't practice law anymore. I retired, so.
0: But he does make comments.
6: Yes, I'm the wise old head. Okay. Right. Yep.
0: Tamika, if you can give us uh some Of those
3: statistics that you it, let the judge know about those statistics, okay. I had to find my mute button, my unmute button. So, um, just to put this disclaimer out here, I, I totally do not agree with young people committing crimes, um, but they are disproportionately targeted. So,
6: uh, have- I would disagree with you, they are not targeted they present themselves as ideal subjects of the process. I'll explain that, but go right ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt.
3: No, it's fine. So uh, this is coming from prisonpolicy.org. The US criminal justice system disproportionately hurts native people. The data visualized. Um, If I can get permission to share my screen that way y'all can see the graphs for y'all. So that would be great. I'm here for it, Judge. Got my eye on you.
6: <laughs> hey, be careful. You might get <laughs> shocked.
3: Try now. You should be able to. There you go. Okay. So we got, here we go. Um, Can y'all see it okay?
0: Yeah.
3: All right, so the US criminal justice system, I said that part already. Uh, this Monday is, and this was um, October 8, 2021. This Monday is Indigenous Peoples Day, a holiday dedicated to Native American people, their rich histories and their cultures. Our way of observing the holiday sending a reminder that Native people are harmed in unique ways by the US criminal justice system. We offer a roundup of what we know about Native people, those identified by the Census Bureau as American. who are impacted by prisons, jails, and police, and about the persistent gaps in data collection and disaggregation that hide this layer of racial and ethnic disparity. The US incarcerates a growing number of native people and what little data exists show overrepresentation. In 2019, the latest year for which we have the data, there were over 10,000 native people locked up in local jails. Although this population has fluctuated over the past 10 years, the native jail population is up a shocking 85% since 2000. And these figures don't even include those held in Indian country jails, which are located on tribal lands. The number of people in Indian country jails increased by 61% between 2000 and 2018. Meanwhile, the total population of Native people living on tribal lands has actually decreased slightly over the same time period period, letting us to conclude that we are criminalizing Native people at ever increasing rates. So this graph here shows um, incarceration in Indian country jails and Native incarceration in local jails. Um, And then this one here, which I I like this graph here, um, it shows racial disparities in incarceration uh, 2019 Uh, you have the Black population or those who identify themselves as Black, and then you have the American Indian or those who identify themselves as such, Um, and then you can see uh, prison and jail depending on federal and state. Uh, And then you have, this is the part that really stuck out to me. So I'm going to scroll down and read. Uh, Confinement of Native youth is a crisis. And if you notice, they did you know, put a graph and it showed you the black population or those that identify as black. And then also the American um, Indian Youth as well. So, the rampant racial disparities in how Native youth are treated by the juvenile and criminal justice system are somewhat better documented. Their confinement rates, second only to those of Black youth, exceed those of white, Hispanic, and Asian youth combined. Forces contributing to this disparity include disproportionate arrest rates of Native youth for some offense types, the school to prison pipeline, which is a real thing. I worked in the school system, and harsher outcomes comes for court-involved youth, particularly for low-level offenses like technical violations of probation and status offenses. Now, technical violations of probation is a huge thing. I just want to pause and comment on that uh, because they still have it a violation of probation, even in 2022, if you have marijuana in your system. Meanwhile, there are groups of people who are making millions right now on that same thing that people go to jail for violating their probation for. Uh, So I keep going, the juvenile justice system confines native youth at a rate higher than the rates of white, Hispanic, and Asian youth combined. And you can see this graph here, the yellow is in representation for those who identify, self-identify as American Indian, and also those who self-identify as black. Um, It's pretty high. And then this one right here, this graph here shows uh, for the lowest level offenses, the juvenile justice system confines Native and Black youth at three times the rate of white youth, Um, confinement of youth ages 17 and younger for technical violations of probation or status offenses. So these are not what you would consider uh, violent crimes. We're not talking about those you know, those people that we saw in the video, um, they are not a part of this graph. Um, They would be considered violent offenders. So we're not talking about violent offenders. We're talking about, you know youth who are what you would consider delinquent behavior so in absolute numbers there are fewer native youth than there are white black hispanic or asian youth but the rate at which they are in contact with police and youth confinement facilities is alarming uh centuries of historical trauma and this goes for black people as well A lot of these children's grandparents survived civil rights. They survived Selma. They survived uh, redlining. They survived, uh, their great-grandparents survived the uh, Red Summer uh, massacres that happened on these lands. Um, They survived a lot. And so they're dealing with this generational trauma, just like the Native American children are Dealing with this generational trauma. So let's keep that in context Uh, centuries of historical trauma are manifesting in native youth as mental health and substance use issues that go untreated and can lead to status offenses, acts that are only criminal because of one's age like skipping school or other delinquent behavior. Once again, federal jurisdiction over tribal lands makes Native youth worse off for being swept up into a criminal legal criminal legal legal excuse me matters at all because they're more likely to receive longer federal sentences and less likely to receive the services and support that they need. And this keeps going on. But I'm not going to, you know, read this whole thing. Um, I yield my mic. If anyone would like to comment.
0: I would
6: like the judge to to comment. Okay. well, this is the way I look at it. And I'll give you a context. Over a 10-year period when I was on the criminal bench here in Tennessee, in Memphis, they did a survey. And the statewide recidivism rate for Felons was 80%. In my courtroom, it dropped down to 18. And I had some techniques and some realizations about what was going on. One, it's not about crime. It's about surplus labor. America is the only industrialized country that does not have a coherent set of government programs to deal with the obsolescence of the ordinary worker in the face of industrial technology and computerization it's supposed to be left to private enterprise which isn't in the business of rehabilitation nor charity so what winds up happening is if you consider labor like a commodity wheat corn cotton when you have a surplus of labor units you do the exact same thing for an ordinary commodity, when there is a glut, you store the surplus, subsidized would-be producer, and cut back production. Perhaps you can find an alternative use for the commodity. In the criminal justice system, instead of storing the surplus in a grain silo, you store it in a prison cell. The subsidy is the public assistance check and cutting back a production, which is where the real problem comes in. Is when the kids bang out, drug out, get knocked up too early, too often. They develop inappropriate attitudes, outlooks, worldviews, ways of carrying themselves, ideation. They are insufficiently prepared academically. They have no vocational skills. They don't have any home training. And most particularly offensive and bad is the emasculation of the country, where we have gotten away from imposing masculinity on male youth. Masculinity is not toxic. It is, in fact, a set of behavioral protocols that if you input properly into a male child, that person grows up with a personal imperative driven by feelings of intense guilt and shame for deviation from those imperatives so that he becomes a person who is into public peace, dignity, and order, but who can be brave and courageous when necessary. That individual becomes a man who is about the business of making where he lives a better, safer, more secure place filled with economic prosperity, opportunity, sense of purpose, morality, and ethics. We don't have that anymore. Mm -hmm. And what winds up happening is Native Americans, and I'm Choctaw, got registered by mother and grandmother years and years and years ago down here at one of the two of the tribal council meetings in Mississippi and African-American, obviously. So it's bad. And one of the things is I just got through leaving someplace where I was out in the parking lot and this is African-American or Black, but it was going like, hey, man, you were with Tamika last night. mine. what's going on? Like, brother. Do You have to share your adventure with everybody in the parking lot and the children around here, Huh? And see, the other thing, too, is 72-year-old guy, God, jumped on, I'm 75, I would halfway kill the food. See, but I prepared myself when 55 years ago, 57 years ago, I embarked on a career of getting a career of becoming proficient in martial arts and other manly arts which a lot don't have, so it becomes very dangerous. I'm not as strong nor as fast as I used to do, but I've gotten much more sophisticated and I put most people down. Kill most individuals inside of 15 seconds with no weapons. Now, I walk in a place and I'm a lethal machine, but what are you gonna do about me? You can't register me, you can't restrict access to me. But I will protect you. You don't have to worry about me just for no reason trying to kill you, because it's a matter of character. See, my business is to be a man. And remember, that's about protecting your neighborhood, your people, and your surroundings. You are responsible for this circle around you. And you are about the business of protecting womanhood and promoting manhood. That's now, right. that's how I got raised. So that is missing. And what we are seeing and as at 75, I've seen a deterioration of character in the American public, and it's gotten really bad over the last 50-some years, really bad. And that is one of our main problems. Now, this pipeline feeds on those who are identifiable. And identification can come with your complexion, your hair, the way you dress, attitudinal manifestations of this lack of home training. Now, you said something interesting, one of you, I'm not sure which one, but I was hearing before I got the video visual. And it was about basically staying at home and paying attention to your children. Yes, that's important. But by then it's actually too late. You should have started to teach this child what is necessary when you were trying to house break the child. I always have animals around and I've raised a lot of dogs and I had a ranch at one time not long ago, raising horses and you have to get to the horses very young, the puppies very young, whether they're pooch puppies or people puppies. And while they're still unhousebroken, for people puppies in the crib, you have to start saying stuff like, act like a man, man doesn't do this. This is a man thing, boy. And you start putting this sense of shame in his head for deviating from that. So he strives to be what is necessary. So by the time he's seven, or eight years old, nine years old, when I was growing up, nobody asked us where we were going We in the summer. We left and said, I'm going with my friends. Well, you know, when you be back before the streetlights come on, you didn't tell anybody where you were. You got the adventure, but you had common sense. You didn't get into too much. You knew how to extricate yourself from bad problems and you developed character and you developed a sense of being able to get in. And that's back to dogs again. If you take the dog and you train the dog and all kinds of other things you're supposed to do with that animal as he's going through puppyhood, then you can walk down the street, heel, heel. you don't even need a leash on him. Some dog that hasn't got that, he's trying to tug on the leash, getting into everything, running all over the place and generally making a mess of himself. A well-trained dog can sit in a room full of 250 people and 10 other dogs who are equally well-trained and everybody gets along fine. They wag the tails, ears perk up, people and the dogs know each other and everything works fine. You see that works when you do that with human children too, but we have gotten away from it. We don't know how to raise children anymore. And there's one more correlation that I would add to this mix. That's interesting data, and I've seen something similar. But what I did not see is the data that also associates itself with how many of these boys, Native American or African American, were raised in single-parent female head of household situations. See, mothers try to do a good job, and human children ideate and identify with and respond most aptly to the human female until they get about eight years old. Before that, it's to the woman. And one of the problems today is manifest by what I got from counseling sessions that I would give to women who had boys in the school system around here. And it was, uh, what did you just get through saying to your friend, ma'am, well, I was telling uh Tamika over here, like, I don't understand what you're saying, Judge. It's like, I hear you, girlfriend. What good a man for anyway, honey? They just after one thing, you know. Take them and get them what they can, get them to pay. They ain't no good for nothing else. What they good for. So, we'll see, that's why you're having a problem. You've got sons, and if you don't know what they good, or they're good for, how the hell are you gonna raise them to be that? How are you going to raise them to be a man if you don't know what a man's for? So we have multi-generational situations where right now some of the people that I had in my courtroom, they're in their late mid-60s and they are mothers, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, great-great-grandmothers, great-great-great-grandmothers, and great-great-great-great-grandmothers, and great-great-great-great-grandmothers. the sixth level, and they aren't even 70 years old. And it has gotten to be an astronomical problem. We have got to do something about reimposing home training, which seems to be unfashionable. Now, that will resolve a lot of problems. And one of the things I did do is when I put people on probation, I used a novel loophole in Tennessee law to put a bond on them for probationary purposes. That was usually an ROR bond, release on own recognizance, with the probation department being the supervising entity. So instead of having them go through the morass of red tape when there was a violation of probation, they could have them immediately arrested on a bond surrender. And I would hold them in and I said, okay, Now, young man, it appears that you didn't cooperate with a deal with what the court was going to have done. So this is going to take the court a while to agonize over this. Uh, Madam Clerk, give me a date, 30 days from the day's date, so the court can figure out what kind of remedy it needs to craft. And then you come back in, all right, now this time you do exactly what I say. In fact, you're due back here in two weeks. The clerks used to hate it but I want to eyeball them because I'm daddy, granddaddy, or uncle, big brother, or whatever the case may be. And you are going to do what I tell you to do because I will jack you up if you don't. Now, if you do what I do, then we can start making up for your lack of home training, discipline, and character development as a child, and we can start harshly imposing it with some methodology that goes all the way back to the Roman legions, the Marines, the Army, Uh, these military uh, concerns are real good about it and you can copy them uh, if they work. And when you get unyielding on somebody, you either do what I tell you to do or I'm going to jack you up. And the next time, by the way, you come back in here, it's going to take the court at least 60 days to make up its mind as to what to do. Now, by the time you get through with them, if they're not cooperative, they would have already flattened the tie but you're not going to let them off the hook. And what's the result? 30 years later, 25 years later, you get people coming up to you with a lot of gray in their hair or beard. And they say, Judge Brown, you remember me? No, sir, I don't. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you sentenced me. Did I give you enough time? Uh, Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, was that manhood thing you were teaching me? I've got... I have grandchildren now, and I'm trying to teach what you taught me to them, and I've got a bunch of boys in the neighborhood. I'm trying to put that in because when you have that focus, every day when you go shave, comb your hair, brush your teeth, you're looking at yourself and you're saying, was I a man yesterday like I was supposed to do? be? Did I do what I was supposed to do? Will I be that man today? Will I do what I'm supposed to do? And you take pride in that. It's difficult, yes. But it is very satisfactory and it keeps you straight because you have a cause and a purpose. And you used to tell us about that. So yo, man. I ain't got nothing to live for, man. I'm 22. I'm going to be dead for I'm 24. And you used to tell us, and that means you can be a hero because if you don't mind dying, then you have some people you can die for. And if you don't think there's any damn daylight at the end of your tunnel, then you can deal with the fire-breathing healer monsters that set all of the things in the tunnel of fire and obscure the daylight with smoke and flames. Well, you can put it out. You see, you have an obligation to protect womanhood and promote manhood, support, and deal with provision of order where you are. Take pride in these things. Those are accomplishments. And when we deviated from those things, we felt great shame, Judge, just like you said we would. So we didn't want to feel that shame, so we started doing the things that we were supposed to do. And it was so much easier when you could rest easy, even if you were damn tired every time you got home at night. You had done something, you had accomplished something. Now, with what happened to you, Doc, this implies something else that is going wrong with the system. Our current U.S. President, Joe Biden, along with James Eastland and John Stennis and a few other folk way back in the 70s, Let's start when he was in the Senate, 77, then again in 79, 1981, 87, 91, and 94, which is the one they'll want to fo- focus on. They put in place some rules in the federal rules of criminal procedure that allow the use of the criminal justice system not to procure justice, but to impose what now is obviously political ideology. In other words, you can use the criminal justice system to persecute those that you don't like. When they become impediments to your little scam scheme or worldview, then you can run them through the system and you can bankrupt them, you can break them, you can discommode them, you can impoverish them and you can confine them when it has absolutely nothing to do with justice. So we have to worry about that kind of thing, and we need to take control of our criminal justice system back in our hands so that system is used to deter, punish, and prevent criminal activity, not to deal with assisting in the provision of warehouse facilities for somebody to go into because we don't know what to do with them. And then lurking in the background is this thing I call the Timothy McVeigh syndrome. Mainstream Timothy McVeigh got real pissed off because the system wasn't working for him. So he bought $250 worth of ammonium nitrate fertilizer, which is the most common fertilizer in America. You can go into a lawn and garden store, nobody's gonna ask you to register anything. It's used in long pulse explosives to do demolition work and stuff like that. And you can wreak havoc with it. And uh, people are into gun control, this control, every other kind of control, but there's what you call IKDs, improvised killing devices. Now, some of our veterans who have served abroad in the last 30 years, they are familiar with one version that they called IEDs, Improvised Explosive Devices. But we've even got one right now where Fat now, that was the one that George Floyd had a problem with and is coming across the border by the metric ton. I had cancer last year and I had a fentanyl prescription in a 30 day supply. I had an interesting copay. It was $1.63. The stuff is cheap. It can be absorbed through the skin. The patch you wore that was good for three days, you just stuck it on your shoulder. And what they are doing right now for IKDs, improvised killing devices, at least in Tennessee, where the Tennessee Sheriff's Association has issued a general warning because such things are becoming more prevalent, is to dust a dollar bill, a $5 bill, 10 20 even $50 bills heavily with fentanyl laced with some other things that are even more poisonous, arsenic, all kinds of other stuff if they want to person sees this dollar bill or this currency laying in front of the gas pump or going into the convenience store or the fast food place picks it up dust it off puts it in their pocket they're dead but it takes a few hours for it to take effect because it goes through the skin if they're lucky when they collapse somebody will take them to the emergency room and if not boom they're gone somebody's got to get a dark suit or a
0: so, judge appropriate dress. So, Judge, so, do, you, do you think that you should be in jail and get large numbers? That's my question
6: to you. Well, large time? Yeah. Let me say this. Your situation was relatively unusual for the, for the system. Uh, in America, this statistic has held firm for the last at least 50 years. And that is 97 plus percent of the people who are in the penitentiaries confessed. Just slightly more than 2% were convicted. Most of that 2% contains most of the people who were wrongfully convicted. Oh, well, he had the public defendant, he made me plead guilty. It doesn't really work that way. 84 to 87% of the people who plead guilty were people who confessed. And honestly, when I would review the tapes of the confession, it was somebody's out in your courtroom just before you retired to chambers with counsel for the state and the defense and the court reporter. Well, he's out there going for bad, talking about he's an OG. And when he's in there and you're looking at him, the detective is saying, now, sir, these are very serious charges. We would strongly suggest that you avail yourself to the right to counsel, who will be provided for you if you can't afford one. I don't want no lawyer. I just want to talk to my mama. I tell you, well, sir, your mother can't represent you. But I just want to see my mama. Yeah, this fool goes through a fresh box of Kleenex because snot's running all out of his nose. Tears are coming out of his eyes. And then when you get back in the courtroom, yay yeah, man, I'm down with the colors, man. You know, it's all about the posse. And you've been looking at this kind of nonsense and you say, wait a minute, uh-uh. And he has offered up all of his homies if they just let him see his mama. So you tell them, you know, are you so-and-so? Take him into custody. You went over here and I remember you, the court remembers you from a bond hearing. You spoke, take him into custody. Your name is so-and-so. Is that correct to you? All right. Let the record reflect that the defendant in the instant cause indictments number so-and-so forth during the confession has identified these people as accomplices in this armed robbery and murder murdering the perpetration of a robbery. So take them into custody. No bond set. Uh, what? I guess. Yeah, we'll take them into custody. Now, see, there is a thing. One more point to address these issues that are covered. Juvenile courts are becoming privatized throughout the land, and that is an abomination. The more you mess up a child or a family situation, the more future business and income you generate. So there is almost a concerted effort in juvenile courts across the country to screw the children over so they keep coming back and they can make great profits off of these delinquent children until they get so far out of hand that they hold them to the action of a grand jury to be tried or treated as an adult. Now, that is very bad, and one of the real problems with that is too often there is a nepotistic thing in there where you get people in who act as the referees, magistrates, hearing officers, or judicial, uh, juvenile judicial officials who basically are too inexperienced in life. They don't have any children close to the age. They are in their early 30s. They're four or five years out of law school or even a year or six months out of law school and they don't know what the hell they're doing because they're not only not learned and wise in the ways of the world they certainly are not experienced uh in life so you get a mess and that's not good for anybody yeah with that i'll pass the mic
2: you know that well first of all um this is Rhonda, the moderator. You can't see me. I'm not, not on camera. Oh, I saw um, okay. Ahead. Yeah. You know who the big mouth lady is. I, I oh, guess not a
6: big mouth. You <laughs> just have a present. Very good. I like it. Go ahead.
2: So I, I, first of all, I didn't want to interrupt you. So I was on mute just giving you a round of applause when you were breaking down, you know, the definition of what family is, what manhood is, et cetera. Um, That was really really profound information that you brought um we truly truly appreciate it and before you came on we were kind of talking about how gen x we were the last generation perhaps that grew up having you know our um grandmas and them um wisdom so just thank you for that and um of course all of the other things that um you talked on as well so I did also want to take this time to let the family know just as a reminder that uh, Dr. Carmen Johnson's book, Pretense of Justice, it is available on Amazon for purchase in paperback and hard copy. And Judge, the Honorable Judge Joe Brown wrote the foreword to her book. Uh, So we do want to thank you for that as well, Judge Joe Brown. Uh, We honor you, uh, we respect you. And um, I never knew what you actually did in the courtroom on how you were incorporating uh, values and family structure. I I did not know that. So honor and and salute to you uh, for that as well. So with that, I'll I'll turn it back over to you, Dr. Carmen.
6: May I add something to this too? One thing I did that was very unique I never looked at myself as the judge. I looked at myself as the village chieftain who would have to judge the people when there was public disorder. One of the things I did is I would walk by myself through the areas habitated by the people that were on my docket that I'd put on probation and on many occasions, hey, you get over here right now. Hey man, what, get over here. Oh man, who this man? Oh, that's Judge Brown. Wow, look, fool, I didn't talk to you. This A and B conversation.
3: Uh can I ask you a question, wife, Judge? Because yeah. you said something about uh, being a chief. Do you think that you knowing that you had Choctaw ancestry from a child helped build your self-esteem? Of course that? it did.
6: I also knew from being a child that my great-grandfather on my mother's side was a Yoruba district sub-chieftain. He got kidnapped and brought over 1810 or 11 after the slave trade was officially over. They had to set him free, but they made him pay uh, his would-be purchaser back. So he talked about these things too. So I had it coming from both sides, Choctaw and the Yoruba thing. So it wasn't like I don't know who I am. And my grandfather practice medicine up here in Jackson, Tennessee, from the late 19th century up until the mid-20th century, more than 50 years. And interestingly enough, he and one of my uncles murdered two deputy sheriffs down here in Shreveport, Louisiana, for purportedly lynching one of my other uncles. So that kind of attitude went in, and Mama Cherry, that was great grandmama Cherry, the Choctaw, pure blooded, would tell about the Trail of Tears and her parents' grandparents getting lost on that. But she had this to say She said, You colored folk go around, you get mad, don't know what to do. When we got mad, we'd nail the scalp to the lodge pole. <laughs> oh. That was an interesting way of looking at life. Like, you don't have to put up with this. And uh, I remember Lane College, she related this very late in life and wrote it down. That's a historic a black college in Jackson, Tennessee. They kept approaching her to buy this land, And they kept running this game on her as she wrote down that all of these poor slaves suffered and now they've gotten their freedom and so on and so forth can't you help them out she said no i'm not selling the land they should have had manly enough manliness enough to have escaped and killed their masters or mm. died in the process but when so what they-
3: about the pigford case
6: yeah well when they got to the point where they finally said we want to help them be men and women she said okay what are you interested in so she not only provided the land to them she gave it to them so lane college is built on one third of lane college is on land that my maternal side gave to them because somebody said it's not about trying to make up for the slaves anymore we want to show them how to be men and women so they can do that for themselves and she said okay you got it
3: that's a wonderful story judge i think we gotta um go ahead and let everybody know real quick if you haven't and you want to donate we do have a website it's called helpingourselves.org. Uh, The book will be added to the website soon. uh, But for now, you can order it on Amazon. And it goes to support what we do within the prison system and outside. We have our youth diversion program starting up in September. Uh, We don't just talk about the problems, but we like to present ourselves as a solution. And that's the way that things should be at this point. We can't always talk about the problem. How are we positioning ourselves to be the solutions and the answer to the change that we want to see in this world? So I'd like to say before I pass the mic to Dr. Carmen, Thank you, um, Honorable Judge Joe Brown. It was a pleasure uh, dialoguing with you and um, to all the rest of the panelists. I appreciate y'all. Y'all know how we rock. i see y'all on the next podcast. And I yield the mic to Dr. Carmen Johnson.
6: By the way, may I make a quick comment? I like your choker. I've got a larger edition of that is a hat band around a hat with two eagle feathers stuck in it that I got awarded by not Choctaw, but a Canadian tribe for services rent, so anyway, I'm proud of that
3: thank you. Thank you, judge.
0: So uh Mr. Moore, do you want to have any last words or anything that you want to share as the youngest uh, 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 a young man in our group?
4: I mean just just to, to sum up the overall topic, you know we, we spoke on a lot of different. We spoke on a lot, we hit a lot of different points when it comes to helping the uh, problem or the perception of what the youth faces today. And just to drive it all home, we gotta go back to that structure. We gotta go back to that structure to putting a lot of care and concern into the youth. We gotta get them up off those phones, get them on some programs, get them in some type of self-esteem building courses. Like I said, it take a village. It can always start in a household, but it's better when you have more people adding to it, you know what I'm saying? To, to take the course of having a parents instill certain uh principles and foundationary matters into a child, and then when they go home and they see no contradiction, not saying that the world is not going to throw them challenges, but, you know, they see a lot of more of the same principles being taught. Like, when I know when some of y'all, y'all, y'all got me by a few years, you know, when some of y'all was older. You go outside, the next door neighbor probably saying the same thing your mother signed, or the lady down the street. So we got to go back, like I said, normalizing that it takes a village to raise a child. We got to normalize that system again. But I think we we, talk, we spoke on a lot of good uh, topics and drove a lot of points on. We just got to put the work in.
6: One thing you might do to help that out is never miss an opportunity to castigate somebody for doing wrong. And ladies, I would appreciate it if all of you took every opportunity you could find to get on some of these young women who are going around not trying to act like women, not trying to act Indeed. like ladies, but trying to act like indecent harlots instead of doing something that could do what they're doing. I've got a thing about that, you know? It ain't nothing personal. It's just there's a time and place for everything. You're down on a new beach somewhere in the Caribbean or in the Pacific or in Europe. That's fine. Get your free call. <laughs> but don't look like you're one of my former clients from 40-some years ago when I represented a whole lot of pimps and hogs. Hey, we don't what? need ladies looking like hoes. Uh, okay. We're looking like, acting like bimbos trying uh, to be I, uh, Judge, you
0: didn't you, bastard helping
6: ourselves
3: to transform King. You can't talk like that now,
0: Judge. That's kind of vulgar now.
6: Well, it's vulgar, but I mean, it is what it, it is. You, 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 we,
0: we had a deal, you know. <laughs> Well, I haven't
6: been particularly vulgar. That language has been used in court. Matter of fact, I beat a first-degree murder case, death penalty demanded for one of my clients. I set it up so his dad was going to come in there and my client could testify because he had no record, unlike his three co-defendants, all of whom are on death row still. He's not. He never went to prison. What happened was his daddy was a preacher. So I picked all of these women who were 50-ish, and they were on the jury, and they kept looking at dad walking in and out of the back because they liked his church. So I said to my clients, oh, by the way, who's that distinguished gentleman walking in and out? Oh, that's my dad, Reverend so-and-so. And they all smiled. So the main character for the state, was a prostitute. She wore this little micro mini up in there, flashing her legs, low cut. And my final argument was Wait a minute, this is where I'm getting to. This is in court on the record. I said, Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, it this is classic, yeah. So who you going to believe? A hoe or the son of a preacher, man? Defense rest. They stayed out 15 minutes and found it not, not guilty. So anyway. <laughs> Yeah, that said in the courtroom. I don't think I'm being out of act since that was almost 40 years ago that I, I did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate the story. You know, it's just reality. I, I'm a Buddhist,
0: So, you know. Uh, Stuff yeah. happened.
1: Well, okay. i uh, tell uh, okay. you I it I can appreciate indecent harlots. <clears throat>
2: that,
1: that, That's
6: the classic. I <laughs> my rent paid a lot of times. I ain't got no hard feelings. I mean, they and they, they felt they was good about paying the, the, the fee. They needed you all the time. They wanted your goodwill. So I got the secretary's paid, the malpractice insurance, the card note. The apartment rent, all kinds of bills paid. I ain't mad at them, you know. I, I it's know, the second but, oldest profession in the world.
0: Uh, Judge? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so, uh, Sonia,
1: do you want to end with anything? <laughs> <laughs> Stop laughing.
6: Get over the giggles. I can see you in the background there. Oh,
1: I'm man. providing a laugh track.
0: you on mute, Sonia.
5: On Un- mute. Is, you know, I hope that um, you know, so people out here will pass the message on and let's start from from the home and, and build this community and start working with these kids because we need them. They're gonna be our future leaders. And I definitely don't wanna see our leaders putting us old folks in jail and putting us up under the jail house. We need to get them get them back on track. We definitely need to get these kids back on track, you know, so they can, you know, continue on our generations and, and, and have great stories to tell and not all the negative
6: stuff,
0: you know, so
6: give them a purpose and a cause and they do wonderfully, but they don't have one.
0: That's right. But well, once they know who they are, then it makes a, a lot of a difference. But I want to end the show with I want to give shout out to one of my other closest friends which is uh, Topeka Sam. I want to give shout out to No Struggle, No Success. I want to give shout out to Ms. Kiana Johnson, Life After Relief. Uh, Pillar Court uh, Watch PG is under her. I want to give a shout out to Alpha Justice, um, Harriet Dreams, Dream, Stern, to Be Free, and all the other organizations that's out there doing
2: the damn thing, thank you. Miranda, take us home. All right then, so I wanna uh, thank the lovely panel. Thank you, Honorable Judge Joe Brown. Uh, we, we appreciate you, uh, the great wisdom you provided us tonight. <clears throat> thank you uh, to the YouTube family chat. We saw you, you're much appreciated and thank you to the YouTube audience. Um, I want to remind the fam, we will be back with our live podcast in two weeks. So we're going back to our two week schedule. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And also check out uh, our body of work on YouTube in the archives. Uh, We do a uh, news update on what's going around, what's going on in the criminal uh, injustice system. Uh, as well as you can catch the archive of our live shows. So we will be back in two weeks. And also don't forget, you can pick up a copy of Dr. Carmen Johnson's book on Amazon, Pretense of Justice. <clears throat> and you can also uh, donate to our nonprofit organization, Helping Ourselves to Transform uh, Hot. And I will also include in this particular uh, video in the description links to the book as...